Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Andrea. We are bringing you the Real Moms Real Life Podcast, your guide to self-empowerment and taking on each day as your best self. This is episode number 71. Today, Andrea and I are talking about empathy. Let us know if there are any topics you would like to hear. Don't forget, all of the resources on this podcast are meant for information purposes only and not to be confused for medical advice or treatment. Hey, Andrea. Hey, Beth. How are you? I'm good. We're having another rough week of sleep. It's like one of the roughest we've had, and I keep hoping that there's a tooth that's going to pop through, but it hasn't yet, so I'm like, what's going on? She's been such a good sleeper, and now we're like at, at almost nine months, and... She just wants to be with mommy. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. But I'm going out of town by myself this weekend, so maybe she'll forget about me for a little bit, and that'll be okay. Yeah, I'm sure that's what babies do. They just forget about their mom. <laughs> totally. <laughs> that's really exciting. Where are you going, though? I'm going to Colorado. Oh, nice. Oh, to visit your friend? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to oh, visit my BFF, too. And I told her, I said, I'll co- I want to come visit you, but you have to take a morning off and... We have to go to the spa and do something, nice. and the rest of the time I can hang out with you, and she has a almost one-year-old baby, but um, mm. yeah, I just, I don't want to have any responsibilities. That sounds amazing. I hope you can get some good sleep there and catch up and reset everything. Yes, that's the plan. How about you? How are you doing? Pretty good. Nothing too new or crazy here, really. I was like trying to think, I'm like, what's going on? I don't know. It's just been raining a lot here. And we actually had a fairly good winter here of like not a lot of rain. And I'm like, I forgot about this. I I don't like it. (laughs) So I think it's completely different when it never bothered me before. But I think it's like, oh, now I have a toddler in the house that needs to get out of the house, you know? And it's like, I don't know. I don't mind playing in the drizzling rain, but like the pouring rain is just like... Ugh, like he's not at the age where I can send him out by himself. You know what I mean? So I have to stand out in it. And I'm like, I don't really want to stand out in this as much as I would love to instill the love of nature and being outside in all weather. I don't really want to. So I know that might not work. I know a lot of people around me um, in the groups that I'm in, they like buy the full rain suits and they do that. But it's also not an everyday thing. So it's like a, an exciting adventure to play in the rain. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think if it was day after day after day, it would be a whole different thing. Like how, you know, I feel like those socks will never be dry. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. When we have the whole rain suit, it's just like, he doesn't seem to like it. Honestly, I think that is what it is. It's like, I spend 15 minutes trying to like weasel him into this thing. <laughs> And like, by the time I get him all ready, you know, which is a lot more than a 15 minute process, let's be real with a toddler. Um, it's just like, you get outside and he's just like whining the whole time and he just wants to be in the garage. And then when we're in the garage, he just wants to like play with the garage doors or play with things he's really not supposed to be playing with. So it's just like, it feels like a very not fun morning at all. So I'm trying to find other things to do, but such is life with a toddler. He's great, but it's just finding things to do with him. So, yeah. I get it. I get it. All right. So our topic for this week is empathy. And I, um, if you listen to last week's episode on emotional triggers, you may have heard me at the end saying, hey, I want to talk about empathy. It was sort of... uh, (laughs) 
triggered from that discussion and also a little bit on the discussion of of surrounding yourself with supportive people. So so I want people to understand what empathy is, how it's different from sympathy, and one, how we can be empathetic ourselves, so maybe we can be those supportive people, and how we can recognize empathy versus sympathy and why certain things people might say may not make us feel the way we think. You know, oh, well, they seem like they're being nice, but why does this, like feel a little bit off? Why could this be a little bit triggering? And it may be because it's a sympathy response and it's not an empathy response. Sound good? That sounds really good. And the one thing I want to add to that is that empathy, just for anyone listening right now, is like empathy is not a born skill at all. You can learn to be like empathic. I mean, I think some people may have heard the term empathic, which is like when someone has more of like an innate ability to really feel other person's emotions, but you don't need to be like a quote unquote empathic to be, to have empathy. Um, and most people, like our society doesn't really teach us empathy. So it, a lot of people don't have that skill. And so someone you might think who is being kind of cold or more on the sympathetic side after you're listening to this, it's not because they like aren't trying to be helpful. It's, they just might not know how to show empathy. So know that this is a very, very learned skill. And so I love that we're talking about it. Perfect. Thank you. So I want to start with a kind of a example of what empathy can look like. Now, I kind of made this one up myself. I think it might have had some, there was this really great video that came out um, a while ago, and I'll try to find it. Um, It's like a cartoon that that helps show this. So it may be somewhat based in that, but I didn't actually rewatch it when I came up with this example. I just want to give that that credit. So Let's say, for instance, your friend is standing waist deep in a pro- in a pond, and she says that she's cold. So, for a sim- a sympathetic response, a, a response of thimp- sympathy, you may say, "Here, have a jacket," and you toss her a jacket. Well, let's be honest. That jacket may eventually, like in the beginning, just make her feel a little bit warmer. But if she's still standing in that pond, it essentially doesn't really do much for her. Eventually, she's going to be, that jacket's going to be soaking wet and she's still going to be cold. You, on a sympathy, with the sympathy response, feel better like you did something because you gave your friend a jacket. Whereas empathy is, your friend says, I'm cold. You know what? Let me get in that pond with you, and I'm going to give you a hug. And so you're here standing in the pond, hugging your friend, using your body warmth to give your body warmth. Now, in this sense, you are experiencing what your friend is experiencing. You are getting into it, and you're saying, hey, this is, I'm here with you. This isn't, this is not a fun experience, but I'm here with you. So to kind of put it into a real life example, so maybe the pond is a metaphor for miscarriage. You don't have to have had a miscarriage in order to be in the pond and support your friend. But at some point in your life, you have probably lost something of value to you. It might not be the same, but you can probably draw on that experience to be in there with your friend. And then maybe... Maybe not, but maybe you and your friend can walk out of that pond together. Maybe 
she will walk onto that out of that pond with her partner. Maybe she'll walk out of that pond on her own when she's ready. But the idea is that to be there for your friend, you may go in and spend a few minutes with her in that pond. So you don't need to be there all the time, when, you know, until she's ready to come out. But it's just saying, hey, this sucks. I am joining you in this experience and this sucks. It's very different from the separating yourself from the experience of saying, hey, I'm really sorry for your loss. Like, I'm sorry, Hallmark, but they have sympathy down pat. All of those sorry for your loss cards are like, hey, I'm not, I'm not there. I don't know what it feels like. You are all alone, but I'm sorry that you're there. So what we're really looking at is are you separating yourself from the experience or are you joining into the experience? Does that all make sense? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I love that example um, of just getting in there with her. And obviously I feel like some people listening might be like, well, why doesn't she just come out of the pond? Okay. Metaphorically guys, it's like, she can't come out yet. She's not ready. (laughs) Okay. Um, But like, I think a lot of what empathy involves is that discomfort of allowing yourself to be there with someone. And we don't like to feel uncomfortable. It feels way more comfortable to throw someone that jacket or separate ourselves from that um, incident. It's just like, even if, let's say you have had a miscarriage and like your friend has one too, it can be even, maybe even more uncomfortable for some people to show empathy because it means revisiting your own experience and bringing up those memories. And we don't like to go there. We don't like to be uncomfortable. And I think that's what makes empathy so hard is it involves that level of discomfort initially. And then I think afterwards, I think it can feel much better. It's like incredibly therapeutic because you were like almost reprocessing your own emotions in that. But to go there is very, very uncomfortable in many cases, especially if you can relate um, and had, you know, it wasn't something that you've completely processed yourself. So I think that's a great example. I love the mention of comfort because, yes, the idea of experience empathy is sort of getting into that vulnerable state, feeling uncomfortable. If you are feeling uncomfortable, you're probably doing it right. So it's not something that it's just going to be easy. It's And as Andrea said in the beginning, it's not something that we just naturally do. It's something that we have to learn and have to practice. I know that... I have caught myself many times thinking more of the sympathetic response. And one of the most common ones is, I can't imagine what you're going through. And in my head, it's like, oh my gosh, like this, this is really hard for them. This, like, I just, I wonder what I can do for them. But the words that come out are like, I can't imagine what you're going through. And nothing isolates someone faster than saying, I can't imagine that. Like, you know, yes, you could say it with a inflection of your voice. That's not, you know, mean girls. Like, I can't imagine that. But the words are the same. And that's when you might think, you know, your friend says to you, I can't imagine what you're going through. And you might feel initially like, oh, thank you for your support. But then it just kind of eats away at you. And you might not even recognize that that was the comment that was eating away at you. But you just somehow feel a little bit worse. And I'm not telling you that these are your non-supportive friends. Because they may just not know exactly what to say. So in that sense, if you can recognize that, okay, they're giving me a sympathy response when I really need an empathy response. 
let me just, you know, I know them, I trust them, and I know they mean the best. So let me just assume that it was an empathy response, and I'll try to turn it around in my head. Or you you pick your friends and you choose the friends that you share things with, with the ones that are going to give you those more empathetic response. Um, the, the idea of isolation in parenthood is strong. I think one of the biggest things that we encounter as as moms as is this like this is our new role, our new identity. Everything else kind of goes away, but a lot of things that we do and we experience are isolating. So things that are isolating and you don't even have to be a mom yet to feel that. Infertility is isolating, miscarriage, child loss, divorce, um like behavioral problems with your child, uh, childhood diagnoses for your kids, basically anything that people don't talk about very often is isolating. And if you feel isolated and you're like trying to get out of your your shell and you're saying to your friend, I've had three miscarriages. I don't know what to do. We can't afford X, Y, or Z. And, And then your friend says, I can't imagine what you're going through. You've now taken that step to be vulnerable, to express possibly those feelings of shame that we kind of talked about last weekend in episode six. And rather than your friend being like, hey, this really sucks. Like, yeah, this sucks big time. And just feeling those emotions with you, she's saying, hey, you stay over there. I don't want to catch it. I can't imagine what you're going through. So that's what I want you to think about. If you're going through any number of hard times or if you have friends going through hard times, how can you be there with them so that we can eliminate this isolation that is so rampant through motherhood? I think that is such a great example. And and I love your emphasis on like, the person who was saying that probably is, especially if it's a friend, is probably not meaning for it to come out that way. And I think what's so important about just talking about this is when you are confiding in that friend and being vulnerable and it doesn't feel good, just knowing that that's why, like that's her response, not that she's a bad friend or like anything like that. And the thing is, is we can help each other out with that. You can tell her like, Hey, you don't need to know. I just need you to hear me. You know what I mean? Like you can come back and say that because I don't, I'm sure you've, I'm sure most people can relate to this if you're married um, or have like a partner or just been together with anyone for an amount of time of that. Like you're bitching about something, you're ranting and they're trying to fix it. And you're just like, I just need you to tell me or acknowledge that I'm mad or that was a shitty situation. And like you can, you're literally telling them, like, stop trying to fix it. Just tell me that that sucks. And they're like, that sucks. And it's like not even like, and you're like, oh my God, I feel so much better. Thank you. That's all I needed. You know what I mean? It's like they, you literally told them to say it and they say it back and they're probably like, what the fuck? And then you're like, okay, I feel great now. Like, so you can like literally tell someone that. And it's really helpful. Like my sister does this to me all the time because I am naturally a like fixer. And like, and I think a lot of us, especially as women, try to probably try to jump into that role. Like just like guys do. It's like, let me try to like solve this problem for you. And so my sister will be like, Andrea, I don't need you to fix this. I need you to just tell me that this, this situation really sucks. 
And so I'll listen to her. I'll be like, that really sucks. And like, sometimes it'll be something silly. So like, I'm kind of being sarcastic and she's like, thanks. I feel a lot better now. We're like, cool. <laughs> and like, that's literally it. And I'll just like literally repeat back to her what she wants to hear. And she's like, all right, cool. And like, obviously I'm a little different about it with my sister, but, um, it's just like you can help someone in that process of being empathetic. If you're not getting the response you need, literally just ask for it. Like be like, I don't need you to fix it. I don't need you to feel sorry for me. I just need you to hear me. And like, like even just listening, like sometimes you just don't even need someone to talk, talk back, you know? And so I think don't be afraid to ask for that if you feel like it's a friend that you really want to be confiding in and trusting in and being vulnerable with and you're not quite getting that response or it's feeling off. Um, using this to be like, ah, okay, that's why this hasn't felt great. Like, let me just have that really quick conversation and help someone. I think that's so helpful. And I did. I One of the, the big triggers for me to... to kind of get me back on track with with learning this and and trying to implement it more was I have a friend who lost a child at a very 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 young age and the the child was very young and she was saying that it was awful because everyone kept saying I'll pray for you I'm sorry for your loss and she just wanted to someone to come up and be like this fucking sucks like, here you go. And that's actually, like, how she chose her therapist is because she'd call, like, call and talk to these people and they'd be like, oh, my gosh, that's so hard for you. Where they're, like, on this, like, pedestal, like, hey, I'm better than you, so let me help you out. When really she just wanted someone to climb down in with her. I know I use a lot of these, like, metaphorical analogies of, like, because when you're feeling in that crappy state, you feel like you're stuck in a swamp or a pond or you're in a deep hole. And maybe you, maybe the ladder's there or the way out is there, but you're just not ready to get out yet. And I think it's really important to feel those emotions. Um, and I did want to add a little bit, when you're, you know, working with partners and friends and you're just like, okay... The knee-jerk response is a sympathy response. I don't want to say that, so what do I say? You don't really have to say anything. You can say something like, I hear you. You know, I'm listening. Or, I'm here for you. You don't have to respond to the specific situation or say the right thing. You could just, you know, if you are a hugger and your friend's a hugger, you could just give a hug. Um, you know, a hand squeeze, a just like... A, a, you know, and I'll call it an empathetic nod, like, like, I know this, like, I know what you're going through. Um, and just, you just have to be there. I think that's the, the hard part about empathy. And the easy part about empathy is that we want to say something, we want to give that I'm sorry for your loss card, when really, your friend probably just wants you to just be there. And just listen and just be like, yeah. Totally. And I think just, yeah, keeping it that simple is literally all you need to do. And you can even like repeat backwards if your friend is expressing any emotions, just like literally repeat those back. And it's, you don't need to come up with anything different. They, they already said what they're feeling. Like I am feeling so crappy because blah, 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 blah. It'll be like, that sounds so crappy. And like, that's it. 
And again, the cool thing is, is this works even if the person is aware of what you're doing. Cause like I'm a life coach and that's like a huge like piece of coaching right there. So it's like, I know when someone's doing it back to me and I'm like, it's still completely hundred percent works again. And like, like I said, it's like, you can literally tell some of the words you need them to hear and it still works. And, um, it's just really that simple. And I'm sure everyone can relate to that moment where they've really truly had that empathy response and just how different it feels. Um, and I want to say it's great. It's, it's a really great thing to practice because it's our like gut instinct is not to go there and is to like throw it off or is to try to say something to fix it. Especially if it's like, you know, someone talking about some bad thing that happened that day. And you were like, Oh, I have a solution for that. You know what I mean? So you're just like, your at least mine <laughs> knee jerk reaction, especially when I'm not in a client session. Cause I'm like in a totally different, like, you know, before client sessions, I'm like breathing and meditating and like getting all prepared. And so I'm like totally in that. But when I'm just like in my day to day life, I still like revert back to my like more quick fixer, sympathetic type response when I'm not thinking about it and I have to catch myself. So sometimes I'll start, you know, going into the fixing solution and I'll literally like be like, realize I'm doing it. I'm like, hold on. I'm sorry. That, that sounds really hard. Like, let me first acknowledge how hard that situation sounds. You know, I have something in mind. Do you, do you even want to hear it right now? And like ask them. And some people might be like, Oh my God. Yes. Like tell me the solution. Other people are like, no, I don't want a solution. <laughs> like I just needed to tell you that sucked. I'm like, all right, cool. Um, so you can do that. And then another place where you can really practice this is with your kids. Because this is like the heart of like respectful parenting and aware parenting and, and really raising a child to be emotionally aware and much better able to process their emotions is having this response with them. So when they fall and hurt themselves, it's not, oh my God, how do I fix it? What can I kiss? Where's the boo-boo? You know what I mean? It's like clearly once you've made sure your child is like not nothing really bad happened, it's just like being there with them, you don't even need to pick them up. You can like crouch down next to them and be like, oh my gosh, that looked like that really hurt. Like that must have really hurt your head. Um, and just letting them cry, letting him have that emotion. Or if they're really frustrated about something, um, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, I see you want to turn on that light switch really bad. And it's not our house. That must be so frustrating for you. And like, you know, whatever it is, like, I see you want to stab me with that fork. Ah, it's really frustrating that you're not allowed to do that, but I'm not going to let you do that right now. And you can be empathetic about their emotions of frustration. And so you can literally practice this if you have a toddler about 3,086 times per day. So you can get really good at it. <laughs> um, but I think kids are a great place to start modeling this. I love the practice with kids. I you know, it's one of those things that I feel like I've done much more naturally with all of the other uh, parenting, learning things that I've done. But yeah, it's sort of coming away from the, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. When, no, it's not okay. I have a boo-boo, it hurts. And just instead saying, I see you hurt your leg. I mean, maybe you don't actually see. Maybe there's like no bump and there's no cut, but like they startled themselves or something. It's like, oh, that must have scared you. Or your child is afraid of the dark at night. And it's like, I understand that you're scared. I, I, it's so hard to be scared. And let's just be there and feel it. And sometimes that recognition of like, 
oh, they get it. I'm not alone. And and that kind of brings me to sort of that the last point of, of why why do we bother with empathy, you know? And and part of it is that humans thrive on connection. And being empathetic with each other helps us connect with each other and it builds a stronger bond than anything else so for instance you could get together and talk bad about someone that can be a connection right you know it's like oh did you see so-and-so's new haircut and it's like you know, maybe not one that anyone else in that group would have chosen. I'm trying to pick something very superficial here for a reason, right? So that is a very brief connection, something that you can all joke and laugh about, but that is not what makes lasting relationships and friendships because you know what? You're not going to trust any of those people to share your deep, crappy shit with. So what we need to do is be more empathetic in our day-to-day be more understanding, share more in that idea of empathy, and just just hear your friends, hear your coworkers, hear your colleagues. I had a, uh, when I took my infant massage course, our instructor had us do sort of a practice, and she didn't call it an empathy practice, she called it a listening practice, and basically our assignment was to get a partner, go for a walk, it was a beautiful day, and talk, and our job was to talk about something that was bothering us, and the other person's job was to not try to fix it. So we're walking, and so I was like, all right, I'll go first. So I started talking about something that was bothering me. And immediately, my partner was like, oh, have you tried? And she starts going, and she's like, wait a minute. That was the exact opposite of what I was supposed to do, right? And I was like, it's okay. Like, that's what we're practicing right now. So just thinking about that, and and it is hard. I do want to be a fixer, but it's amazing how when you change yourself from being a fixer to a listener, how many more times you actually get the opportunity to give those suggestions. Because if you do more listening, then you have that friend that says, well, what do you think I should do? And that's when, that's when you say, you know what, well, have you tried X, Y, or Z? And they'll be like, yes. I'm like, all right, well, how about this one? Yeah, I'm like, all right, well, let me think about it and I'll get back to you. And it's then they are much more open to that suggestion that you give. Whereas if you're like, no, just do that. And it may have been the thing that they asked for in about 10 minutes anyway, but you gave it too soon and they immediately resist like, uh-uh, I'm not ready for that yet. I didn't ask for your advice. I just wanted to tell you my struggles. I love that example. And I've had to do that too. And it is really, it is really hard. <laughs> and um, I think a lot of times people aren't ready for the solution is because they just have not processed their feelings about it. You know, it's like, they just haven't, you just like have to go pass through that, like feeling stage, acknowledging the feelings. And it's like, only then can you be ready for the solution. And like, I think sometimes that probably happens in like tiny micro bursts and it's so fast when it's, these just like, kind of, you know, more mundane situations, like when you're just like annoyed that this guy in front of you just like close the door when you clearly have your stroller and eight bags behind you. And it's like, whatever, you can get over it really fast and pass through that like annoyance. And then you're like over it. And then you can whatever. But like, in other situations, that might take a lot longer, it might take five minutes of being listened to, it might take three years of being listened to before you're ready to accept that solution. But I love that. Um, you know, emphasis on just listening first. And 
and like I said, and I've used a lot of times in my, my life is if I have a solution after I've listened, I, it's like just asking permission before you give it, um, can be really, really helpful because it just, one, it saves you a lot of time and energy. If you're like super excited, like I get really excited to like tell someone about something and then it's like at the end they're like yeah no I didn't want any of that and then then I just feel crappy (laughs) and then I feel bad because I'm like okay clearly they didn't want that and we just I just wasted both of our times versus if I just ask and they're like no I'm not really looking for that I'm like okay cool and then like everyone leaves the interaction feeling really really good and they feel listened to they feel heard you know I don't feel like I've just put them out or you know I don't feel like guilty for like throwing something on them and yeah we get that like much deeper level of connection and it's it's great and you start to build that trust too which is so important i love it i think that's a wrap thank you so much for joining us today follow us on social media for news updates and calls for questions you can find me beth at feeds of real eats and andrea at dr andrea moore on instagram and facebook please subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode and write us a review show notes for this episode and all podcast related information can be found at realmomsreallife.com 